0: Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times.
1: We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group, and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with, or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit Recovering2.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're Recovering 2.
2: Hi everyone! Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. We are so excited, over the moon, for our special guest today. Her name is Jane Mackey and she is the founder of We the Village. So, Jane, thanks so much for being on with us. Welcome.
3: Tonight. Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm excited to be part of the crew. You guys have such a good group going. Thank
1: you. Thank thanks. You. Yes, we are. We are grateful to have a group of supportive people and you know, always looking to grow that. And so when we came across your your platform and your your village, we were like, that is really cool and something we wanna know more about and connect with. So thank you for joining us today.
3: Glad to be here.
2: Well, wonderful. Well, can you tell us how did you kind of even get into thinking of an idea of We The Village? How did you get into like this addiction space?
3: It's a long story. <laughs> I'll, I'll start but feel free to feel free to jump in or anything. Um, so uh, I'm I'm from New Zealand. Um, I was working in Manhattan um, and a fast-paced like digital advertising fancy you know mobile advertising agency and we were creating you know, first iPad app for a big fortune 500 company um, to connect them with their customers, right? On this new device. And, and Jim, um, my best friend and colleague at the time, who was also the founder of that company, um, began, you know, having some sort of shady behavior. Like we lived a fast paced life. We worked really hard we worked late we blew off team afterwards went out drinking and um, you know it was kind of a moment uh, where we had a proposal due or we had like a big pitch presentation the next day and it was getting late and it's like oh man how are we going to push through the next couple hours and he you know, I'm thinking let's order dinner, right? And he like pulls out a line of Coke. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is I mean, and it and and that was just a moment of being like, Yeah, this is starting to feel like there is something going on here. And then, you know, it took years from that point to kind of get to uh, a point where he kind of acknowledged that something that he needed to he needed help. Um probably like three times of him sort of getting to the point of needing, thinking that he might need help to actually get help. Um, Mm -hmm. And all the while I was sort of like, okay, we're digital beings now, you know, where can I go online and like find answers and help this person and what do I do? And, um, you know, he was away from his family, like no one is here looking after him, like no one really knows, like he's showing up to work and like winning clients. so that was kind of the beginning of the journey for me. And I just felt like, you know, when I saw a therapist who was lovely, I went to Alanon, anon and I still, I just felt like when I left all those spaces, I was like, but what can I do, <laughs> you know? Um, and that was really what uh, what kind of stuck with me. Um, this man is now my husband. So that's, you know, that stuck with me as well, um, but, yeah, like, I just, I kind of just recognize that there's powerful things that the relationships in your life can do when this person's struggling, and that I really wanted to find a way to bring um, tools and, like, action, you know, what can we do, was really what I wanted to help support. Yeah, so you and
1: your, you said he's your husband now, Mm-hmm. Um, so you did you guys get married then like I, it sounds like along the journey of his like addiction like was he in active addiction at the time or in in recovery I, I feel like that is kind of an interesting story of you know like making that decision to move forward with somebody or not or like even when you're in the place of you know um Elise and Alex have Both been married to their people, like deciding, like, are we going to stay or are we going to leave? And Mm -hmm. a little different when you aren't married yet. Of like, okay, well, am I making this next step into a commitment with somebody who is actively using or maybe not fully into recovery? So, i guess
3: I'm just curious about that that process. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Well, I it just it makes me think first. So. I was going to Naranon, the one Naranon meeting in Manhattan as a friend as well. You know, like I wasn't, we weren't even like officially dating or anything. And I was going as a friend because I was like, you know, I love this person. Like, this is my best friend. Like, what, what, what do I do? And I just remember being there and people being like, you should just leave (laughs) (laughs) just get out just get out you know it's not blood like you don't you're and um that was really challenging um because I really felt like somebody needed to do something um and yeah I think so we, we got married after he went through rehab um and for us it was actually a bit of an ultimatum because um I had a visa issue to be honest so I'm from New Zealand and um I was in a situation where it was like either I go home um or we could get married and and give it a go and so it was it was a hard decision for um because of the recovery but also because of you know it was probably earlier than we would have necessarily settled down um but I think actually, to be honest, in our relationship, it was probably, the I think, the best thing that could have happened at that point because I think that it would have been really hard for me to actually even stay in the relationship if I didn't have more commitment. And so for me, it actually showed like, okay, there is something here um, that I could trust a little bit more as a ground level to continue to build on and i think also and this is something that we talk about a lot in the work that we do it's like marriages end every day right like there's nothing like we can't predict what how we're going to grow apart or together or like um someone could get sick or like someone could get addicted later and so we definitely live with a bit more of, like, if this is working now, this is something we want to invest in, but, like, not necessarily having the illusion of, like, you know, maybe a little bit less conventional in terms of, like, the idea of, like, this is it forever, and nothing can ever break us. (laughs) Yeah, there is, um, like, some of that
1: pressure, like, this fairy tale pressure of, like,
3: if you do
1: this like it has to be forever and wonderful and perfect and if you have any doubts that it might be otherwise like maybe it's not the right person yeah I, I like what you're saying of the idea that it doesn't matter what the situation is even if it's outside of addiction like who's to say that in a year someone's not going to be sick or get injured or you just you don't really have there's no way to like look into the future and know what that's going to be like
3: and there is also sort of like well maybe he will struggle with addiction again and maybe it would be too much like maybe something would happen where it would be too much and like I I guess I've kind of accepted that that could happen and that could you know be a something that we either got through or didn't sorry Mm -hmm. yeah
2: so I have a question so um one did your family know that your husband was experiencing or going through addiction and two um if your family isn't here local um and they didn't know like were your friends saying like what are you doing jane like get out of the relationship like were you telling people that he was struggling with is it cocaine drug of choice
3: yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i think a little bit of everything in the history but that was the most recent um culprit um yeah, I think I probably had people in two camps. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had the ones that were like, yeah, we totally get it. Like, you know, this is where you're at. Like, they they knew he was a good person. Um, uh, and then we had the other camp that was just like, why would you put yourself through that? Like, why bother? Um, so yeah, I, I I think I actually did. It was quite even on both sides. Um, I think also I talked about it a lot. So I talked about what was going on. I really felt like, like, and this is something else that I'm really passionate about. I just feel like if we talked about this more openly, like it just couldn't go on. Like if everybody knew that this person was struggling with this, they couldn't work walk around so depressed. They couldn't like shut themselves off in, in their room for a week. They couldn't shut up to work and like not have someone them a hug or you know whatever it is um, and so I early on I would sort of speak on his behalf it sounds kind of weird but like a little bit I would say you know like if we're around friends or something I would kind of be like hey you know maybe don't give him don't offer that extra glass or something you know or like you know I would try and like push his comfort with sharing it with people that like which to the got to the point where we could all just talk about it openly and so I think Mm -hmm. people that were open to receiving that kind of information open to sort of stretching their brains a little bit about how they thought kind of also could see that it wasn't like this person is morally bad and like Mm -hmm. you know gonna be stuck this way forever necessarily
1: yeah do you see you know since there are different cultures here you notice a difference in the way like the culture of like American people respond to addiction and people, you know, struggle with the disease versus people in New Zealand or other areas of the world. And like, what, what would you say the difference is there?
3: So I think what I've noticed more is that it's an eight, I've noticed it more at an age thing. Like um, I think the older generation is a little bit less open to understanding and that the younger generation, like that's where I definitely noticed more of a, a difference. I, you know, it was funny, I was home um, one Christmas and a friend we were talking about I guess my work or something and she she mentioned like oh is it just like people that are all junkies and I was like you know she was so she meant so well and she even like has quite a good understanding and empathy for it but like you know just if you're not in it like I think that you just don't understand it and I think that was true for me as well like I And I think that's something that really resonated with me and why I became so passionate about, you know, spending my life working on this was because I also thought that addiction only happened to like down and out deadbeats. You know, I had no idea that, you know, addiction can happen to absolutely anybody. It's a totally natural response, like as a coping mechanism. Once it starts, it's really hard to stop. And once it once you can't stop, you can become homeless. Like pretty like you know, you can lose your family,
0: your friends, your job, and so yeah, it
1: all spiral very quickly. Right.
0: Mm. So can that kind of segues us a little bit into? Can you tell us about um, what we the village is, how it started, and can, uh, the background with that? Yeah, so I think ever since, um,
3: you know, my husband was struggling with addiction, we were kind of able to talk about it. We both talked about like wanting to try and fix some of the challenges that we had in his, you know, trying to get him help or deal with it. And, you know, for him, Cause we used to work together so we're like I or I sort of thought maybe we could keep working together on this and for him he he didn't want to make it his life you know he wanted to keep you know healing and then do other things that he loves and for me I was really passionate about really digging in and, and sticking finding some way to um fill some of the gaps and the I got um a really good opportunity to work with a little accelerator in New York um, called Human Ventures. And so they were interested in the addiction space. They invited me along to just share my opinion. Um, and that turned into actually coming up with business ideas and the beginning of Village. Um, so we identified that, you know, and part of my background, like there's this, this gap for families. i like, what can we do for the family role? you know, basically solving that problem that I talked about, like I wanted to do something like what action could I take? And we went through a pretty typical sort of early entrepreneurial journey with the company of like trying different things, like things that are flopping, like, you know, good feedback, but like nobody really showing up for anything. Um, And we, we, we started hearing from people we were talking to just like how much the community aspect was missing, um, which is definitely something I felt and I think something you all recognize, which is a reason why you're doing this as well. Um, And that was when we started the the community, which is totally free, just like online forum. And um, it was when there was a lot of Facebook community sort of starting up. Um, but again, I felt like a lot of what was going on and there was like really just catharsis. Um, and I wanted to try and test out this idea of, you know, what actions can we take? How can we be optimistic? How can we take, um, you know, what can we do in positive ways So sort of set it up in the way of like, share what you've experienced, um, that could help other people, you know, so you can post your questions, but then we want to hear from people like, this is what I've done. Because what I found also was when we speak to others that have been through similar situations, we've had very similar experiences. So if I were to talk, and I think it's so cool, like I get, you know, you guys all get along because you have a very, your loved ones also have very similar um, potentially experiences, even down to the point of like your relationship, you know, you have a similar relationship, partners, similar substance of choice, right? Mm. And I remember if I talked to somebody that was a partner or somebody with cocaine, like the level of similarity that we would get to like so quickly, you know, trouble sleeping, like back pain, like weird stuff that you're like, that's I didn't think that was necessarily like super related or whatever. Um, so that's kind of how the community started. Um, and from there, we, we got the opportunity. Um, we wanted to bring more edu- education. And so I benefited from the CRAFT method, um, which is, stands for Community Reinforcement and Family Training craft and I think we were talking earlier and it sounds like it's a bit new to you and I think it makes sense right like craft you haven't heard of it it was developed <clears throat> developed by a clinician a researcher he's not a marketing guy he's not a business guy it's like it's not it did not it, it hasn't sort of really made it out into mainstream you know there are some books I read books um, and, but it really is extremely effective. It's been proven in multiple clinical trials, you know, it's really legitimate. And so I developed a relationship with the founder of it, um, and some of his research past researchers, and we were able to secure a, we were already delivering like a sort of facilitate together online course version of it and online groups version of it, Um, and we got a grant from uh, the government actually to run a clinical trial and develop the product a bit more, run a clinical trial to actually prove out is this effective. Um, And so that's what we spent COVID doing last year, Um, Mm -hmm. like good timing and bad timing. silver lining (laughs) Um, maybe. Yeah, super busy last year. Um, but essentially it's, it's an online course as the backbone and then with varying levels of um, coaching. And we tested in our clinical trial. Um, we tested with a, a group coaching element, so like a Zoom group versus private coaching element um, to accompany the course because it's a skills-based method. So the live sessions, you actually get to practice with a coach um, the different skills and the group beat out the the private coaching just a little bit which was really cool because you know I I had no idea if it would work in a group setting it's normally done one-on-one offline like in therapy um and so yeah so now that's available to everyone um we do our best to make it as affordable as possible like we are a business but the goal is that like my goal is that every family has access to this um because it's, it's effective. Um, the, the main outcomes that it's been tested on are treatment entry, um, sub- reduced substance harmful substance use. Um, so depending on what goal the person has coming in and then um, improved health and wellbeing for the family member that's actually going through the course um, and it's all 100% focus on friends, friend or family joining us um, and what their goals are. So now we have people coming to us that just want their loved one to moderate, you know, others want their loved one to be in recovery and we start with their relationship. So the, the idea is that you have uh, an impact on your loved one you have an impact in a relationship and so how do how do we leverage that so we start with communication to so rebuilding connection and and how we communicate it makes 100 percent sense that we would yell and scream when we're like why are you doing this why are you hurting yourself but if you want to be heard that's not the most effective strategy so techniques to actually like rebuild connections to be able to hear one other, another a whole series of uh, behavioral techniques. So reinforcing sober behavior, extinguishing, using behavior. Uh, it's not like every on its own, but it sort of opens up space to, um, to, to make progress, you know, and make little steps of progress that can also open up bigger windows of opportunity to actually then get treatment if that's what's needed or um you know whatever the next step might be and go through self-care um actually talking about treatment actually researching treatment how to handle relapse um and think about the whole recovery journey because I thought it was rehab and then you're better surprised that's not how it generally works (laughs) yeah one I've had one client that that was pretty much her story which is amazing but um generally
0: it's a lot longer so yeah yeah that's That's what we're up to (laughs) that's really cool (laughs) I'm just like amazed and I'm thinking about like how uh, how I would have for sure signed up for that if I if that existed six years ago (laughs) look at that it's just such a need I mean it's just it's really cool what you're doing so can you tell us a little bit more about the coaching so like who What kinds of coaches are you using in the course? Are these like substance abuse counselors or can you just tell us a little bit about how you pick a coach?
3: Yeah, so they are craft certified. So there's actually a certification process um, and they're all licensed therapists. So like a clinical social worker or a mental health counselor, but then they've got the craft certification. Um, If anyone of you or anyone listening wants to, do it it's highly like I would highly recommend it um and they could reach out to me about that as well it's um it's like you know a couple day training which they're now doing on zoom and then you actually submit tapes of working with clients um doing the different protocols so it's very it's it's a whole like system um and yeah I wish one of our little agendas on the side is that we want to um, bring that training online as well so we can actually make sure that the general sort of therapists and substance abuse counselors have access to this because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's just like hidden. It's like little gold hidden away. If we want it out mm-hmm. there for people. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. How yeah. many uh, people are on your forum right now?
3: I think we have a couple thousand yeah can you yeah.
1: can you tell or I mean it might be generalizing you find that it's the majority are like spouses or parents or siblings and is there one substance that seems to be more prominent than others or is it just like all over the board
3: yeah I think um I feel like, though this may be more anecdotal, that we attract a lot of uh, partners. And maybe that's because of me and the way I talk and, you know, can't help but sort of have that sprinkle in there more. Um, like 90% female, maybe like 99. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, which was surprising to me at first. But I mean, I think it, it makes sense. Um, we. some reason whatever reason take on this kind of role um and substances alcohol is number one for sure um i think opiate is probably second Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah that's interesting oh and the topic the topic that is most searched is um like what to do or on the theme of my loved one is in treatment and like is he gonna meet someone else oh
1: interesting oh I mean I can that we did a topic once I think that this can bring up a lot of like insecurity issues because it almost feels like the the substance is like a a mistress and there's so much lying and betrayal around it and then for the three of us and like with opiates and stuff that really affects the like intimacy as well which then starts making you question like is something wrong with me or in our relationship so yeah I guess that's not like too surprising to me but it that's interesting.
0: Well and then in addition to that you like the person the substance is changing the person the dynamic between you and them so as they get healthy you know you I I was I did it too like are we gonna be a match anymore like is this are we going to like are we just in this like toxic we only work in this toxic like dynamic and now that he's healthy am I gonna be the right person for him I totally get that totally Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah
2: That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So, um, something that you kind of mentioned or hit on that you found that the group course was so, um, was more beneficial or whatever it may be that your research showed. And I think that's something that we have also, um, we are so fortunate that the three of us met in a family support group where Mm -hmm. the crosstalk was allowed. So we could say our situation, hear from others, what they did. Um, and you know, where you go to Narnon, Elanon, you say your thing and you kind of move on. Uh, so I think that that's something that we really benefited from. And kind of another reason we wanted to start this podcast is because not everybody can get that experience. Um, you know, so we found that to be beneficial yeah. for all of us, which is how we develop such wonderful relationships with one another.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that cross talk thing, like I, I get it and I think it, I saw, you know, you understand it's like, oh, you have to be so careful, we don't, it's hard, like we don't want to give advice and our forum, it's not about advice either. It's like, what did I do? But I think that's really helpful to allow that, like, what did you do? And I, I, the, the meeting that I went to, you'd, you know, you'd be bawling and you just let it out there on the table and then someone would hand you a tissue and the next person would go. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I yeah, never it's, understood that. It kind of like you open up this like wound and then you just like leave it open and move on. Like, I'm, you, yeah, you, like you need someone, help. You
1: hope that someone after the meeting comes up and is like, Oh, I, I resonated with what mm-hmm. you but that doesn't always happen and uh, we were lucky that we had a like a facilitator in our in our meetings who had um, an addiction clinical like background to sort of like help navigate those questions so if it got too much like advice driven or off the rails they could help bring it back because i i can see how sometimes crosstalk could a little like questionable, but it it really can be so beneficial to like hear that direct feedback and examples of what people have done. And then, you know, some things you might take or leave, but it's Mm -hmm. something you can hold on to and, you know, try in your own life.
2: Mm -hmm. Totally. So a question for me. Um, So now, so your husband, he's moved off to another career. Um, You kind of live eat breathe this addiction stuff so how how does that work in your relationship and you know are you always talking about work which is about addiction with him (laughs) so what what does that do for your relationship sometimes are you totally burnt out and you're just like uh i mean i guess we all can do that but this is such an interesting that intrigues me
3: oh yeah yeah i think I mean, it's interesting this past year as well because with COVID, you know, we're at home and we're working. And he actually worked on the uh, the clinical trial last year with us as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's something that is an ongoing work in progress. Like, how do you how do you separate your day from your work? How do you separate working together from being in a partnership? Um, and then also it's like challenging because th- we worked well together before and he's he's like my best friend my partner and the person that I want his advice on everything for so mm-hmm. I kind of have to hold myself back sometimes and just be like I don't need to discuss everything with him I can just do this because um, <laughs> of course it's, it's also nice to have his input as the other side like what do you think um, yeah. He not only is good at product stuff, but the actual product, or not good at just like the technology product stuff, but the actual thinking about the, the family approach as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a whole um, mesh. <laughs> that made me think do you, do you ever feel like pressure? I guess from being in this position of wanting to be like, look, we are a success story or things are going well. Like, does that create pressure for you and for your relationship? Like, putting it out there publicly of trying to help other people get in a good place. And how do you like handle that? Maybe like, I'm assuming there are times when things are sort of up and down. It's not all like great, but feel like that could be could be a lot to take on
3: yeah I mean it's definitely crossed my mind I'm like you know when I say oh we never know what's going to happen in the future but like what would that reality actually look like like that's quite scary um but and and then the flip side is sometimes I feel a bit too distant Mm -hmm. from what it felt like when it was really really crap you know (laughs) and so sometimes I'm like oh you know because he still drinks sometimes and that's still a sort of work in progress for him um or you know he's had like he he drank for a a period last year and it was really you know then had some bad physical health outcomes and probably mental health of course as well um and then now is like you know maybe two glasses on a weekend watching UFC like that's his thing um so sometimes it's funny because I'm like oh yes, like, we're still in the in the crap, you know? <laughs> um, but, yes, I, I do feel sometimes like I'm a bit distanced uh, from how awful it was for so long, you know? In some ways, it's like it took, it took a long time to sort of release that stress from the body, like that physical response of, like, oh, my God, something's going wrong or whatever. Yeah. Um and in other ways, it's like, it all just, you know, you actually can forget some of the horrible stuff um, when things are going well. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Good so, good, good. question, though, that one made, yeah. me, made me think um, about it.
1: When you said, so, like, you know, he, like, is drinking some still or here. So would you say, like, the goals and for you guys are not necessarily, like, complete like sobriety from everything? Is it just more like management? Does it, is it by like a case by case basis for who you're working with? Or cause I know with like AA or NA, the 12 steps, it's like sobriety from everything. Um, but that is, you know, different things work for different people. So I just, I guess, curious on the philosophy in We the Village on what you're doing. Yeah.
3: So we are a hundred percent like whatever your goal is, is my goal. Um, and my husband never said he would get sober. He was like, I realize I'm totally messed up right now and I need help. And I will, I will be sober for a while, but I'm, he never like committed to being sober forever. And I think, you know, for me, I was like, yeah, whatever, like, you'll probably be sober at some point because I don't know, you'll just need to be. Um, but I think that it's interesting now because some people come in and they say to me like their goal is that they want their partner or whoever to be able to moderate because they're not ready to, like for alcohol to be like out of the picture. Um, and I kind of, in my gut, I'm like, I'm gonna help them with whatever goal they have. I'm like, I don't know if moderation works. Like, I'm not sure. I don't think, unfortunately, I I actually think that would be really interesting research is to look at how, you know, because it's either like, yes, you can have it, alcohol, or no, you can't have it illegal, right? But like, it would be, I think we need more research on what are optimal amounts of these things, you know, so we move away from like, substance abuse to like, You know, what is substance abuse? When does it become substance abuse? You know, Mm -hmm. my husband has a pancreas problem if he drinks too much, but he's not addicted to it. He doesn't get the shakes. You know, like people have different reactions to things. Um, Cocaine, however, is very addicted to that. But like, how could we get more information about what is an okay level versus just like this black and white yes, no. I don't know,
0: there's still so much we need to know. It's a very
1: gray area.
0: And there's also like, even as, you know, sort of, Uh, like other medicinals that are coming into play now, like with marijuana or just even like psychoactive things that you could use in a therapy setting. Like I'm so interested to see, because we've talked so much about how, you know, a lot of times mental health plays a huge role in substance abuse and how, how would you approach, you know, treating addiction with with some of these other things. I don't like, I just think that would be so interesting to see how some of that would work, but I'm with you. I think that it's, there's just so many, like it is so black and white. And I remember early in the recovery process, my husband was like, I can't even imagine being sober for like a week, let alone forever. Like that's just, it's so unimaginable to, to commit to anything forever. I mean, it's just yeah. insane. like, how do you, how can you, how can you really do that? It's. I think that's why you kind of obviously break it down into like one day at a time, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm just super interested to see how this all evolves as well. I think that the strict black and white kind of turns a lot of people off when what you're doing is saying, okay, you know, you've recognized that there's potentially a problem. And while we might not be ready to to say, I'm going to completely eliminate this problem, what we can say is like, I'm ready to make the problem more manageable through small goals. And in five years, maybe that goal will be I just don't need to drink on the weekends anymore. But for right now, it's not. And, you know, is there progress in that? And I think that that's a really um, progressive way to look at the road to recovery. Um, I think, you know, if you follow a traditional AA, that's not a person in recovery. But, you know... Does that matter? And like, what is what does recovery mean? And like, at what point, like, just as you're saying, like, at what point are you abusing substances? At what point are you like, on the path to recovery? And why does it have to be, you know, such a defined, like, like thing like yeah. Nothing. yeah yeah why does it have to be an all-or-nothing you you know I know from my experience with my husband that it's definitely been a, pr- a progression of small habits formed over the last decade yeah and Um, that's not something that happened by completing the 12 steps. You know, that's something that happened through lots of work in the community and lots of failing and therapy and, you know, a lot of learning along the way. And I just don't, I agree. I, I think that's, there are very few people that walk into rehab. We've talked to one of them on our podcast, but the very few people that walk into rehab and leave and never use again, it's just really yeah. difficult, especially as you start talking about super addictive drugs, like heroin, you know, it's, it's just not that easy. it's, it's more of a complex problem. So I think that approach is really interesting. I'd be super interested to see kind of how that evolves or if you learn anything kind of along the way but I'm with you I I think that it it would be interesting to see how much more you could support a recovering person if it wasn't such a hard line.
3: Mm. Yeah I think the what what we often say as well is like what what is working like whatever we find that is working we want to do more of um whatever is not working like we can sort of discard that, and I think that sort of plays into the small steps um, approach. And then, yeah, I don't know. And for some people, it works to kick them out, and you know they have to be abstinent. I don't know, but that's definitely <laughs> we can I can't play a role in that. So I'm like, I'm working with what I can work on, and that's like the person that's in front of me. Um,
0: yeah, it's so
3: interesting.
2: Well, Jane, as we kind of wrap up and end our conversation, is there any other final words or advice or how could people get in contact with you or look up We the Village?
3: Yeah, this has been really fun. I'm Thank you with so you guys much more. <laughs> um, yeah, find us uh, at wethevillage.co. That's, uh, online and on Instagram and yeah try the course like nothing seven day free trial um, and it's I think it's a toolkit that can take you throughout you know wherever you are in the relationship with someone in an addiction or recovery um, and yeah we've we've seen it work wonders so we'd love to see you there and yeah, keep I mean I I love what you guys are doing. Uh, this definitely was not I don't think podcasts exist when existed when I was first going through this. And I, I just think that this would be so helpful. Um, it's so nice to hear the different voices and experiences and that you make it really candid and don't hold anything back. And I well, really you're appreciate that.
1: Welcome to join us yeah like keep was posted on new courses and research and
3: yeah it's been Love to do that really fun to talk to you
0: yeah thank you cool. so much until next time thank you bye. thanks bye, bye. <laughs>
2: Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.